Hello, and welcome back to the Plastic Pills podcast. It's been a while since our last episode, and we've been busy catching up on some much-needed rest and relaxation. We're feeling refreshed and ready to dive back into the world of AI and education. In this episode, we'll be discussing the latest developments in the field, including research and applications for AI in the classroom. So sit back, grab your favorite snack, and get ready to learn all about the future of AI and education. Thanks for joining us. That was written by the AI, wasn't it? Indeed. That was written by the AI, wasn't it? That was written by Mrs. OpenAI. Not sure why I gendered her, but... <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. You would never write something like that. No, that, that, that sounds like a uh, iHeartRadio intro to a podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's so factual, though. I yeah, no, it. it was great. My intro to the podcast is cracking a beer and saying... I, I, I wrote in the prompt that we've been away for a while... But we've only been away, I should note, from the public feed for a few weeks because we did a whole bunch of private episodes. We did uh, The Hatred of Democracy by Ron Sierre and uh, Butler. Butler had a feminist fight night with Nussbaum. That was a fun one. And what was the that other was a spicy one? one. The, was, it, was it the Richard Rorty? Was that... That was three or oh, no, four that was No, it was Merleau Ponty versus Derrida on the decision, and we kind of got into religion a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, that was that was good. So anyway, we Rorty. kept them off the public feed because they're a little bit more serious. But now we're back for yeah. to witness together the doom of education. <laughs> it's going to be a terrible <laughs> semester. First thing I should say: if you are if you are going <laughs> if you're a student. Going back into, or actually, they might be finishing papers still, right? If you're finishing up still, or if you're starting next semester, this loophole is going to close very fast. But we're here to tell you, as educators, TAs, and course directors, that you could, there's no reason for you to write a paper. Just head over to the <laughs> OpenAI playground, and it will write all your papers for you. And we will have no way of detecting it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they just uh, OpenAI just launched their GPT three model. I don't know what any of it means, but it's uh, a a new chat GPT, and and they have that playground that runs on a different uh, and, thing as well. Well, the GPT three has been out for a while. Yeah, the playground seems to be it, a little bit, but the the chat one, which I think is also GPT three or three point five, but that thing is new. It's making the rounds and. Yeah, I've used it to write papers. We've we've been we've been we're gonna just keep screwing. Around. <laughs> we've been screwing around with it all week, so we'll just continue that. We're phoning it in for this episode by having yeah. the chat or by having the uh, AI do it for us, which is uh, going to be the future of education. Yeah, I mean, I think I was talking about this actually. I just came back from a a kind of like dissertation writing group with my supervisor and her other students. And we were talking about it extensively. And I think, <clears throat> I mean, look, already, I think at like the introductory undergrad level, we were asking students to write, like students already weren't really learning how to write. They weren't learning uh, how to like understand concepts or construct them. They were just being asked to regurgitate stuff. So I think like now it's going to have to change the approach because an essay can be written by this thing that is definitely possible at the undergraduate level you know i've seen some kind of like professors online the other theorists be a little bit kind of like um 
naysayers a little bit or like being like, oh, this thing's overrated. Like it's never, you know, if you think this can write a good essay, you know, I guess you don't know that much about essay writing. And it's like, dude, that totally misses the point because most of what we read at the undergraduate level is not a good essay. The whole point is not that this is going to, the whole point is not that this is going to write great essays. The point is that this can write mediocre essays very well. And you could just build on that if you want to. You could have it spit out your word count and a bunch of points, and then you could just work from there. You don't have to, you know, no more blank page syndrome, basically. Like you, you could always have a base to work on with this, which is exactly kind of, it actually sounds really interesting, but also a little bit scary for uh, people who are in the biz of uh, teaching and assistant type work. But I mean, it's full of possibilities. You would have to add citations. But I have not seen this thing spit out anything less than a B grade paper, at least for like maybe even third year undergrad, but at least second year undergrad. This is a B a B paper writing and in some cases an A. I mean, that's okay, well, more I than can, most students even expect, right? If you're an A yeah. high school student at going into your first year, you're probably going to drop down to a C level. If this thing can just crank out Bs immediately, then it is already like putting you at the third year second or third what about high school too high school kids have access to this college entrance essays oh my god yeah i mean it'll be obvious i mean for some people like stringing a sentence together will just make it obvious that they didn't write it but i mean i'm kind of excited that i I am education is gonna actually have to take a serious look I mean, we're always out on the lookout for plagiarism detectors. I mean, I feel bad. I've, I feel bad for those um, essay writing service people, uh, those illegal essay writing service people. You see posters all over the universities for them. Uh, they're going to go oh, yeah. out of business. Yeah. Nobody's going to fucking need them. It's going to put the black market for essays out of, out of business. That's, that's kind of good. Well, there's been sort of an arms uh, race, probably since the word processor, an arms race between... People marking and people writing, because in in most cases the easiest thing is to just do the work. But you can also be one of the students if there's not attendance grades. You just never show up and you just submit the essays. You lose your attendance points if if those apply, and then you just submit the papers and hope hope that you pass. But this is gonna do better than passing, especially if the if especially if the teachers oh, are yeah, the, for sure. the grader is not familiar with you. So this is bringing to light a whole bunch of cracks in the system. First of all, we don't have time to even get to know our students well enough to know if they can write it or not, because we have, I don't know how many you have, but it can vary between like 60 to 100. And if you're lucky, it might be like 30. So you can't really know. And there's a whole bunch of arguments against this. Like, well, if if you're a good enough teacher, then you're just going to make people want to learn and they're not going to cheat that is that is, is an absolute insane bullshit. take absolute bullshit. yes there's always like two three people who really want to learn no matter what the topic is they're excited to be there even if it's like a stupid general course that you kind of have to take to move on to whatever your major is if they're not majors but yeah. always you're fighting a battle against probably 10 to 20 percent of the of the students whose only goal is to get in there and get out. And fair enough. And get their compulsory course credits out of the way. I don't resent those students at all. I know they're trying to come in and come out. I'm not trying to be a cop. But if you do cheat and it's easy easy enough to find out that you cheated, 
then you don't pass. So. Yeah, I mean, I can see if you're teaching a graduate seminar, like everybody is there because they want to be and they're going to be putting in the effort. But when you're taking compulsory credit courses, you can expect that most of the students there just want to pass. They're not going to be coming back to what they learn in their future career in your compulsory foundation course. So, I mean, for that for that sort of thing, which is where most teaching assistants are getting their jobs from, I can imagine, in the humanities at least, I'll say. This, this applies to the humanities and social sciences most of all. <clears throat> for those TAs who are attached to those courses, this could mean big changes. I want to say, like, right off the bat, these are exciting changes because I think the education system as it is, the one that we've all been trained in for over 20 years each, it sucks. It's not good at testing um, interest. It's not good at gearing towards your interest. It's not good at encouraging any sort of creativity. Uh, so the most rational response is, yeah, to try to get in, pass, and get out. And this is going to make that model unsustainable, it looks to me. Yeah, I mean, isn't it, like, hasn't university already for a long time been a whole bunch of people who really don't want to read and don't want to learn that much and they just want the degree at the end of it? I mean, that's kind of a consequence of trying True. to do mass education. It's only a minority of people who come in and actually want to do the reading and are, are excited by the concepts. And for those people, I don't really think this changes that much. Like if someone actually is interested in the ideas and they're passionate about them, this might, you can maybe use this as a crutch to like learn certain things a little bit faster. But ultimately, like if you actually have a love for the ideas and a love for the texts, I don't see why that's going to change. I think I'm a bit of a doomer about education in general. Like, like <laughs> I think it's kind of a farce a little bit. I don't know if there's a way to make people who just don't have the interest be interested. Like, I don't know if that's a thing. So before and after the AI, like, I don't like, I guess insofar as right now we have some nominal ways to get people who maybe didn't realize they were interested to like come to find that they are interested in, in it. And I'm not sure if this AI is going to make that less likely to happen. People don't know what it's like from our end, I, I think, to teach. So the worst thing to teach. Yeah, that's the, the thing. worst thing to teach is the 101 course is the intros because you get. Because you get non-majors, the non-majors are not interested, they're interested in something else. And like, again, that's fine. But if you're teaching intro to philosophy or intro to a sociology type type thing, a social science or uh, communications I've taught before, which is like interpreting interpreting films, that usually usually people get interested in that. But it's like the elective courses. So as soon as you have general interest people, the experience as a, a course director or teaching assistant really sucks because you're fighting against people that don't want to be there. You don't want them to be there. They don't want to be there, but you have to. Yeah. No one um, wants to be there. Like this is not going to change. I don't think so much like third year level courses. Cause if you're in a third year course, you're usually dealing with majors who actually have an interest in, in being there. And we all are involved in useless, useless disciplines. So if you're in a useless discipline in a third year course, you really want to be there. No, but what this what this is really doing. So like let's So I guess what I what I kind of wanted to say is like let's set aside <clears throat> the discussion about like 
oh, the people, this is maybe going to interfere with people who really want to learn. And like, I don't, I don't think that's going to change. Like, I think people who are interested are going to want to be interested. Really what it's changing is the fact that the people who really don't want to be there, who are looking for any shortcut, any way to not read, this is making their life easier. And that's a problem, right? So like, which students are the majority? Well, isn't it making your life easier, Victor, too? You used a, you used a AI to mark someone's paper. Oh, I didn't actually use it to mark someone's paper. I just, I just, <laughs> I just tested it to see what it would say. Oh, so you could use it. Um, in theory, yeah, you could. You kind of, you could, you could, you could. So like, you could do it. Um, but I found at least because it didn't really understand the criteria very well, there were just things that it didn't catch. Um, and there were also things that it said the person didn't do that they did do. So like, because this, it didn't have access to the syllabus, right. It's like they needed to cite certain literature and the AI didn't think that they cited. So like it, it, but it does, but in terms of like the overall comments and like the quality of the writing, the quality of the ideas, it's pretty good at identifying quickly, like what's in there, what's not in there. In fact, when I was just in my PhD meeting, uh, it was one of my colleagues' turns to present what they've been working on. And for fun, I came in prepared with like a summary of what the AI said. And I was like, here's what the AI thinks of your work. And it was like <laughs> a good sum up. I would say that what I would say that like if you're like for me, I'm thinking about like how, what ways can I use this technology? And like one way is like I never have to write an abstract ever again because like this ai like does such a good job of taking the argument of an entire paper and summing it up really really well i've heard um i, I was talking to people in the discord and they were saying they it, it's really good at job cover letters for like applications oh, yeah. as well someone was telling me oh, that any anything repetitive yeah so someone was telling me this would probably be really good if you were like on dating apps <laughs> <laughs> Like think of something yeah. clever to say. Like it's just you can't. You're not gonna I be able mean, to try. It's gonna be AIs talking AIs on dating apps. I'm so glad I'm not on those right now. Yeah. Any anything where there's like a huge amount of information on the internet and it's a regular thing people engage in like really often. This thing will like read the database and be able to just pick out the best patterns to fit your particular needs. Anything that uh, fits some sort of formula. So I've had the extreme displeasure once of teaching an intro to writing course. This was the worst experience of pedagogy in my life. But intro to writing, you're, you're, you're teaching um, someone who's never going to write, never has seen the purpose of writing. They're getting probably a, a technical degree of some sort. But you teach like the five-paragraph essay. The five-paragraph essay is the, is the curricula. Oh. So this thing owns shit when it comes to five paragraph essay because it's like in this essay i shall argue bang 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 point one here it is point two here it is point three here it is as i've argued so that you, you basically teach them an algorithm to write a paper and we can't i mean i've always thought that was incredibly useless and stupid and no no one wants to do it no one wants to write it and no one wants to read it but we have or this this GPT itself has made that in my mind entirely obsolete. You're just you're evaluating how well someone can follow the instructions. It's basically a Mad Lib, and that form of yeah. writing as an evaluation technique is now absolutely useless because the machine is better than probably 80% of students at doing it. I mean, it seems like we're going to have to have changed the way we do things. So I think uh, maybe more oral exams, more presentations, more written exams in person. Like 
you need like you need some way to check whether students are actually internalizing the concepts um because this ai because this ai makes it so that like a paper it just not is going to be no good at testing that anymore it's just it's just simply not going to be good it is awful reading handwritten anything by the way oh yeah i know i know yeah i know it's yeah i know pre pre uh, word processor teachers i i don't i don't envy oh yeah no it's it's probably three times as long to read the same paper it's absolutely awful um i would also say that uh back to typewriters baby (laughs) i'm the i'm the head ta for like kind of the uh, pills was talking about the 101 classes so like at the university of toronto they have poll 101 politics um and the assignments are like all of them are the perfect kind of assignment that this ai could do no problem so like the first assignment is an introductory paragraph because we need them to just learn how to write it's like the cool course is designed for like really rudimentary skills to write essays. And because they're such small assignments, this is the type of thing that this AI is going to do perfectly. So like they'll have to be like, write an introductory paragraph that argues this. Like that is exactly what this AI can already do flawlessly. Like I know a lot of people were saying, okay, it could produce like an A paper or sorry, like a B paper at best. But for these little mini assignments in this like one-on-one course, this AI will write A. Uh-huh. Uh, content. Yeah, where you're just checking yeah. boxes, exactly. basically. It, um, it's going to do that, no problem. And like, I even, I actually sent the professor of this class because I'm also teeing it next semester. And I was like, hey, look, I asked it to make an... So like the one of the assignments was write an annotated, annotated bibliography that argue, that you would use to answer a question about whether race is an important factor in Canadian elections. So basically like look at the research. And it just gave me like a perfect annotated bibliography. Like it maybe wasn't explaining why it's uh, relevant, but it gave me a list and it was like very good. It was like explaining like why, like showing each little tiny couple sentences was giving me like why it helps answer that question. And then just for fun, I was like, write a poem about those sources. (laughs) (laughs) And it did that. Awesome. And it did that perfectly too. It was like race in Canadian elections, a topic often debated. With views both for and against, it's a complex issue that's been weighted. Uh, and then it goes on. It's like Jed Hobbs says it's a factor in voter turnout and alliance alliances. Young and Everett concur for racialized candidates. It poses challenges. <laughs> Gingell and Blaze see how immigration has changed the face of the Canadian electorate. Race and, es- and ethnicity now in the race. It's like, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, be, I, I would contend with impressive. your... Who who said that this can write a Max B paper? I don't know. People, I've just seen people saying that, like that it's it, like like a full oh. paper. Well, I was I was live yesterday, live on uh, stream, and I had it write a paper on the death of art, and I think that was an A paper because it was like, well, first really? of all, we have to decide what we what we mean by death, and death was in quotation marks, and then it says there's been many reasons throughout the years that. Art has been declared dead. First, it was this. Then it was this. Then it was digital technology, and so on. so it's like, it was it was good, but of course there's no yeah like, and this is kind of the point that I was I I, I want I wanted to make with this is there's no floridity to the language. There's no um, interesting turns of phrase or or even like different sentence structures or variable sentence structures. But the point is, these are things that we never grade on anyway. 
The only thing we're expected to grade on is, yes, you kind of said it earlier. Did they, quote unquote, internalize the content? We never really are asked to evaluate, oh, this person is a good writer as opposed to this this person. This person is using very instru- sentence structure or trying to use analogy and mm-hmm. metaphor and some some sort of figurative language. No, we just mark on content. And this thing annihilates when it comes to content. Yeah. When it, like when you think of the typical university college rubric, right? Like it's going to smash that. No problem. Like grammar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like better than anybody i was whatever logic rhetoric it's gonna be it's gonna be fine oh yeah i've I've been grading these terrible papers and like occasionally i had a couple paragraphs where i was like i don't understand what the student's saying and i put it into the ai and i was like rephrase this so that it makes sense (laughs) it did a pretty fucking good job (laughs) yeah like I, i i was asking it how it works kind of thing like natural language processing which is what we're gonna have to like learn about to understand these things and yeah, like it, it, it breaks down, it, it, co- it tokenizes and then does parts of speech tagging and then it performs like a semantic analysis to get the meaning. And so with that, it could just yeah change around the words to just make the meaning very straightforward. And then you'll realize what they've said is either just like dog shit hidden in ver- verbosity or it actually makes sense. I mean, that's the hardest part about a human reading an essay or a novel is like tracking the argument through all of the words, basically, like extracting the meaning, right? Because it's easy to get lost. It's easy. Like there's always that syndrome of, you know, I feel like I just, I was reading like the last three paragraphs, but I wasn't paying attention. Now I know, have no idea what they just said. Like that's not a problem for this thing. It's going to read everything instantly and extract the meaning from it, which is what our brains just like cannot do. You have to read something and reread it and then be like, okay, read it for grammar once, (laughs) read it for meaning and the argument a second time, and then you can start to grade it then. But with this, it's it's no problem with that. Yeah. And it's just going to structure these students who have to write, you know, whatever, 800 word, five paragraph essays, short answers, responses to things annotated bibliographies it knocks all of that out of the park so we're gonna have to completely retool our like 1000 level assessments oh yeah yeah what about also one of the things that we use very often are like reading reflections that's summarize this and like reflect on it this thing will do that oh yeah like those those assignments are going to be totally worthless now the point of them the point of their existence in the first place is like show me that you actually like at least took this home and skimmed it but that's gone exactly yeah, yeah. like it is regurgitate in a, in a like you start off with regurgitate and then you try to at least like structure towards a bit of like creative arguing like coming up with your own ideas but you got to start with the regurgitating stuff and especially in assessment you just you need them to demonstrate that they have read and absorbed the material and you can definitely fake that with this, but didn't even this this article we read, the Atlantic one by Steve Marsh, or March, uh, didn't he even say like he he had it write a graduate level Shakespeare essay on Shakespeare, and it came out acceptable, like B level, B plus even at the graduate level on 
a literature essay on Shakespeare. Supposedly, yeah. Like, that, that's what he said. The professors in London playing around with this stuff saying, yeah, like, it can write graduate level stuff too, not just undergrad, which is kind of scary. Because it's like, I mean, this essay can definitely, you know, the college essay is dead. This 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 piece can definitely go under the like alarmist, <laughs> cynical category. But I understand it. All right. So why don't I introduce this? But before I introduce the the essay, do you personally do you think this is a crisis, you guys? I mean, in the formal sense of like a rapid moment of change, yes. But in the negative sense. I mean, I just think this is awesome. <clears throat> I was, you know, I, I grew up being a fan of Star Trek The Next Generation. I was talking to my stepbrother and I was like, if this had a voice interfa interface, the experience of using, using this would be almost indistinguishable from the computer in Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, and I, I think mean, that's what's a fucking sci-fi awesome. show. Yeah. Like, what's a sci-fi show like that where, like, children are given, like, education tablets to learn on? Like, there's no more. I mean, there's still the classroom setting. But it's like, I don't know, it's like fucking Ender's Game or something, yeah. right? Like you're given a personal computerized AI system that structures your education and the the professors involved are kind of more peripheral. They just like are more discipline oriented and it, it's your job to learn. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it, it's a crisis, but it's an opportunity in the same sense as, I mean, I guess we should just frame it, you know, like education is since the 80s at least it's become a consumer experience not a interest experience right you you like the students think of themselves more and more as customers the degree is what they've paid for and you are dispensing a service like like an employee right to them you are you are the person behind the counter making the burger the the machine they order the food on now automatically and the ender experience what they've paid for like that's it's it's their consumers in a marketplace that's what it is and this just makes that easier and we're freaking out because the barriers that we call the barriers we put in front of them that we call evaluation is is no longer sufficient so we're gonna have to change it and good fine it's about fucking time we've updated this medieval system of enculturating and socializing people anyway <laughs> yeah so i will i will i think we're all saying the same thing i will say this is a crisis this is a crisis of any written style education but it's something that needed to be collapsed anyway i've been complaining about it for a long ass time i mean there's gonna be pain um it's only after finishing yeah. a phd that i ever felt like i had any room to move creatively and that has been like through video and through conversations like this but even when i'm writing now i would never i would never write as if it were going to be or, or according to those academic strictures anyway so this looks like we'll be destroying those academic strictures how long until we get a new socal affair where a uh, a reputable academic journal publishes something written entirely by an AI. Oh my god! Yeah, this is like so-called squared. Now it's like quantum so-called. It's it's gonna be. I, I mean, there's gonna be pain involved, though. This is gonna be a transformation, and there's going to be pain, especially those people. Have you have you been doing education 
in the pandemic and had to see your older profs or even like more mature students adapting oh, yeah. to Zoom <laughs> and all you get is like a camera up their nose or 45 minutes of technological issues. Meanwhile, the young people are sitting there like, this is fucking easy. Why? How can you not figure this out? Those kinds of people are fucking doomed as they always are whenever they're still figuring out cell phones, right? We, we Now we're worrying about the next thing. I mean, there's going to be that kind of pain of adapting for the people who are not as technologically adept. You know, I kind of, but I kind of feel, in a way, similar to how I feel about being someone who got to experience, who's experiencing <clears throat> the benefits of the internet, um, but didn't actually like grow up at a really young age where social media was like the most like ubiquitous thing. I think Facebook started pretty much right after I graduated from high school. So like uh, I was never like <clears throat> in that time during the social media age. And similarly, I feel like now I'm like kind of rounding the corner on my PhD and this is now coming out. And I feel like really thankful and grateful that like I got to go through university in all its steps without yeah. this technology. Existing. Traditional, so traditional education I, you got. <laughs> so, 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 so like selfishly <clears throat> for me, I feel like this came at the perfect time. Because yeah, the like 2010s was like the sweet spot. Because I feel like I've I've honed like my skills as an academic, as a reader. That like, of course, there's always room for improvement. But it's like I did it the traditional way, and it's like now I feel like at a, I'm at a level where I can use this technology to benefit me without uh, where it's not going to be used in a way where I'm trying to not do work, but it's actually going to help me do the work that I want to do. Right? That's like a serious work as opposed to using it in a way to not do work that's necessary for my own development. As, a, as an academic. Um, so selfishly, I'm like, this is amazing. But like, do, but do I think that that's, but the people coming up in university now are like younger. I do think they are, they are like not having an opportunity to go through certain things that there might be value to. And that's one of the things we were talking about today with my PhD group. Like, you know, they're not going to have to learn how to like hone their own writing skills of like <clears throat> what it means to be a good writer and what it means to actually see why your writing is good and why it's not good. And in a way like this AI certainly risks uh, living in a world where people don't really understand why the writing that they're putting out is good or bad. I mean, we really, we really hit that mm -hmm. sweet spot because we started, I mean, we're roughly the same age, but we started our undergrad without smartphones and finished with smartphones so we still learned how to read if we if if you cared about that early on. Anyway, yeah. why don't we we'll continue to reflect but we can reflect based on this essay from the Atlantic, the college essay is dead. Nobody is prepared for how AI will transform academia by Stephen Marsh. Well, why don't I give you um what the AI? What the AI told me was the main argument when I asked it. Yeah, why would we, Why do we have to read it? You can just yeah. <laughs> why don't we not read it and I'll just tell you what the AI tells us the article. Perfect is about. way to start this <clears throat> new age. <clears throat> so yeah. I said. So I said, give me the main article, and then I copy and pasted the entire text of the article into the chatbot, just so people know how I did this. Okay, and then it gave me a very concise paragraph. I did ask it follow ups, but so here is what it said initially. The main argument of the article is that the rapid advancement of AI technology, particularly in text generation, is disrupting the traditional role of the essay in humanistic pedagogy and creating a rift between humanists and technologists. The author discusses the potential implications of AI-generated essays and the need for both technologists and educators to consider the implications of the technology. 
that is just the summary. Um, and then I asked it, how does the article support its argument? Um, just to see what it would say there. And then it said, the article supports its main argument by providing several examples <clears throat> of the rapid advancement of AI technology and text generation, including the release of OpenAI's chatbot, chat uh, GPT, and the abilities of the GPT-3 to generate complex rhyming poetry. The author also discusses the specific instances where a student admitting to, admitted to using the AI to, to write their papers and the potential implications of this technology for teaching and assessment in education. Additionally, the article cites the work of other scholars and experts who have discussed the potential impacts of AI on the role of the essay in humanistic pedagogy. Uh, I, I can't, I don't have it up in front of me because I'm apparently, I've exhausted my views and I'm paywalled now. Um, but yeah, I mean, the guy was complaining about the potentials to cheat, you know, that's what I got out of it, right? College essay is dead. It's over now. We have to figure out something else. But I mean, that's why I categorized it as a kind of alarmist response. As as these things go, this one, there's the alarmists and then quickly followed by the it's all good, man, kind of Here, I'll send responses. you these. I'll send you the essay. Oh, thank you. Like, I'm worried about the shakeup and how quickly universities are going to respond to this because... You know, we have to rely, like the, the the structure of the university, we have to rely on the administration implementing responses, or you know, approving responses at the department level. But again, it's like play like essay writing services have been around for a long time and if you suspect that a student the, the normal procedure is that if you expect if you have like compare the student's writing their previous writing and this current thing you're looking at and you suspect plagiarism or that they've used an essay writing service you in, bring them into your office and you have them just repeat the argument they've given you and if they can't do it then that's a pretty good sign if they're smart enough to have gone into the metadata and erased the metadata of the of the of the pdf file or the word document they've submitted and you can't track it that way then you have to bring them in and get them to re and just recite their argument orally and if they can't do it then that's a pretty good sign but there's still no way to prove it but that's pretty conclusive. Yeah, this will be fun. If you are a listener and you are cheating, here is what you need to do to cheat fail safe. Because I will check the metadata on your doc if you turn it into me. But the metadata shows you not only the computer it was saved on. So first of all, if someone else writes your essay, you have to copy the whole thing and paste it into a new document. But the metadata also shows you how long the document was edited. So you're going to have to also, I mean, this is all, this is all old information now because we don't need to do it anymore, but you're going to have to have it open on your computer as long as it would have taken you to write it. So it shows, oh, this thing was edited for like nine hours, not this thing was edited for four seconds. All right. Tips from plastic pills on how to cheat your university degree. What makes this different in a way than the internet, because the internet also had a similarly revolutionary effect on how students do their homework and plagiarism. And there was like a slow burn where universities reacted a little bit slowly. But the difference was that 
the internet itself was also a slow burn. Like the way that the internet developed was like kind of slow and there were shitty sources on there and then there's better sources and it was like a very slow process. This is like an overnight. True. Like I know they've been working on this. I know they've been working on this for years, but this is literally just like the next day, all of a sudden, everyone has access to this crazy thing, which is going to be way different than the way that the, the internet was kind of slowly kind of started filling in every part of our life. Um, but that was because the internet was much more limited. This is like, we're getting like a fully functioning, like computer algorithm that passes the Turing test like right away. So this is what the, the article says. Um, I will say the author of this, he's a little bit romantic, I think, in that he never actually doubts what I would like to spend time doing if we can is saying how this is good because the style we're using is not even really that good of an evaluation tool in the first place. So how do we do evaluation from here on out? But this is what this former Shakespeare prof writing in the Atlantic says. Natural language processing presents the academic humanities with a whole series of unprecedented problems. Practical matters are at stake. Humanities departments judge their undergraduate students on the basis of their essays. They give PhDs on the basis of a dissertation's composition. So what happens when both processes can be significantly automated? Going by my experience as a former Shakespeare professor, I figured it'll take 10 years for academia to face this new reality. Two years for the students to figure out the tech, three more for the professors to recognize that the students are using the tech. Unless you're listening to the pill pod, now you know right now. You're going to have the easiest two semesters of your life. Um, oh, man. <laughs> Unless you got these and then f- three is T. Yeah. And then five we'll years for we'll university administrators to decide what, if anything, to do about it. Teachers are already some of the most overworked, underpaid people in the world. And we got to remember, this goes all the way down to high school. We should be keeping that in mind, too. Um, They are already dealing with humanities in a crisis, and he gave kind of the crisis. And now this, I feel for them, is what he writes. So this article goes into uh, basically the illiteracy of people in Silicon Valley, this this FTX scammer guy. Oh, yeah. I forget his name. He's got three names. Yeah, Sam Bankman-Fried or something like that. Yeah, him. He, he brags, he's happy, I've never read a book, or I, I would never read a book, or something like that. So this guy, this essay goes through that crisis. But I'd like to ask you guys, if there's a future to this, we've, we've already been training with, for example, the five-paragraph essay. We're basically training them to write, like, scripts anyways, if that's I mean, okay. the model. First and all, always, I, like- I got to say... I will, I will qualify that. You always get probably less than 10%, but between 1% and 10% of the students that are just like, you can tell you're dealing with someone very intelligent. Then there's like the categories, the Bs, the Cs, and the people that are just phoning it in or don't even know what's going on. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think that to- top 10% yeah. is, is at risk here. They're smart. They already know how to write. They know how to express themselves through literature and stuff. But the problem is there's going to be no differentiation outside of that 10%, I think, if this is an available tool. So is there a different way, and maybe even over time, thinking like 20 years in the future, will writing change 
because of this. So oh, yeah, for sure. But I just want to say something about the five paragraph essay because like you use it as an example a couple times, and I will just say that like I see that as more of a problem with high school. Because for me, with my students, the very first thing that I have to tell them that they need to unlearn is the five-paragraph essay. I'm like, you need to stop thinking about the five-paragraph essay. Students want to be spoon-fed with like a blueprint for how to write and how many lines, how many, how many words, how many sentences. And I'm just like always like, I'm sorry, like you can't do that. You need to ask yourself whether what you're saying and writing demonstrates to the reader that you've been engaging carefully with the text. And there's no real way around that where like a scaffolding will help you. Um, but I do think this is going to change writing. I do think this is going to change uh, kind of like expectations. I'm already thinking about how I'm going to need to pivot next semester on certain things. Um, so, I mean, yeah, and I'm actually going to be teaching my first course with my friend in the summer. And we were already talking about how at the very least, I think we're going to need to make sure that we for example, like a really small measure, but, but for example, um, you know, requiring page numbers with references, right? So that, that way, at least I know that the student has to open up the book and see where on what page the thing that the AI told them is right. So like some kind of a measure like that, at least. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with the five paragraph essay, except that it's only five paragraphs. Right. Intro, X number of paragraphs, conclusion, whatever. I agree. If it's 800 words, it'll probably be five paragraphs or whatever. Paragraph 100 to 200 words, longer essay, it's 200 to 300 words per paragraph. Be consistent. I mean, that like it helps scaffold them. But I mean, that's the thing. We're not going to be teaching the form anymore because this AI can do it. No problem. I mean, the essay is supposed to be a tool to help you think through your material. I mean, it's a it's a it's a product, and we get it, and we evaluate it, and we base their grades on it. But ultimately, it's something that that goes along with helping people to think critically, to teach them critical thinking, and constructing an argument. That's the important part about writing the essay: is learning how to think logically, make an argument, back it up with evidence, understand when a point needs more development when it's overdeveloped you know that sort of stuff which is the important part it's it's almost like as an evaluate as an evaluation tool it, it's secondary it's secondarily used as an evaluation tool primarily it's a tool for teaching critical thinking so we're just going to have to figure out a different way to do that i mean the the five paragraph or whatever paragraph structure is not the end all be all of teaching someone to think critically yeah. But for example, you you just several times said, this is what's important. It's the structure of the argument that's important, which is something that we've thought for a long time and something that we've been taught from the time that we were learning to write in uh, third grade, grade three, if you're Canadian. Um, but what if that has to change as well, all the way down? What if what if using metaphor or... or uh, figurative language using similes and analogies what if this is the part of writing that is evaluated differently and i i know that sounds like oh pie in the sky that'll never happen we're never going to change this all the way down but if you read just a random law clerk writing from 1900 they are so much better at writing 
probably because they're so much more immersed in like reading would be their hobby not 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 going on their phone and and watching streaming services but their writing is so much better when they're not even trying to that's kind of fun. that's interesting that you say that because like one of the distinction like if you okay maybe that's true uh at a certain level but one of the like distinctions that you can make between supreme court decisions from like way back in the day to now is like now they're way longer and they go through the reasoning way more like they used to like when you look back and look at old supreme court decisions it's like laughable some of the the reasoning you're just like what how did they not explore that how did they not explore that part of that i'm not saying that that means the writing is better now in fact Initially, when you started talking, I thought you were going to say it was like nicer writing. And I think that might be true because law, as it's become more specialized, more systematized, there's kind of an impetus to use the same language because there needs to be consistency. It's like the way concepts are used is like kind of there's a there's a standardization um, of it. So I don't know if that means it's worse. No, I would um, say the opposite. So I, don't know I would what say you're the opposite to. of law, because if we go way back to the beginning of humanistic education, do you know the quadrivium and learning rhetoric and learning po like you would have to learn poetry as well as how to write oh, yeah, law true. as well as how to read ethics and you'd be reading fucking plato in in high school so i don't know there's we we have decided culturally for whatever reason a bunch of contingent reasons poetic language we don't need it poetic language is nice if you want to be a creative writing major, but that's it. And for everybody else, we're just evaluating your arguments or evaluating the content of your arguments, but never the actual words. And if anything came out of this, and, and, and I got to speak for myself in terms of the philosophers that I love to read, you can almost see that they were trained in a former era. You know, the French post-structuralists. They went to very grueling lycée or high school in, in France when you just have to read all the time and the regurgitation stuff probably happens as well, but some part of that gets into you. And I think, in a sense, if I'm believing in the technology of writing, there's something about that form of self-expression and about basic things like being able to draw analogies, having a large vocabulary, that at least in our education system has just, it's gone, it's rusted out and gone because it's never been valued. And this com this computer being able to write in such a basic formulaic way has kind of shown that to me. So I, I guess this is putting on the mm. dream board of what education could be as opposed to what it's turned into. But it shows well, the paucity and the banality of what we're even evaluating them on which is can you form an argument it's never can you form an argument aesthetically pleasing lee yeah so here's my here's my kind of black pill view on this which is yeah like the reason that education back then like there was so much more effort and so much more you know uh impetus on or, you know, to, to be creative and, and to be like well-read, it's because it was much more elitist back then. So like the fact is that like, so my black pill is like the more you make education, the, the a project of, um, for everyone, uh, a project for the masses, then you necessarily are going to lose all those things. You can't have a world where everyone is a Renaissance man 
but uh, because that's just not the way human beings are. Um, so I, I just, I don't believe that like, so there's always a price for that. Like the, the price for having the university be this place of burgeoning creativity is that it was much more elitist. And I think it's kind of like that triangle where you have to like pick two or whatever. And it's like, you know, we like make it accessible to everyone, whatever. And, and then, or do you, do you want to have great ideas and, you know, like be made up of only like the greatest minds who put in all the work? Like, okay, well then it's not going to be, it's not going to be accessible. <laughs> it's not going to be mass education. I think that's true, but this machine has already done that mm. in a sense. Anyone who doesn't want to do the work doesn't have to do the work, but we're, we have been forcing them to do the work. Like you have to take an elective in, in either philosophy or history or whatever it is. I'm not sure what the, what the standards are, but so maybe that was always, I silly. think it was always silly. And this is showing that it's always silly. So, so you're saying education needs to go back to being elitist? No, I think I think it needs to go back to I mean, a division of labor. If you want, if you want to do science, and you're gonna prefer to write a script that can write your Shakespeare paper for you because you don't give a fuck about Shakespeare the same way uh, Bankman Fried doesn't give a shit about Shakespeare, yeah. then don't read it. You're just wasting everyone's time. You're wasting the people that are evaluating them. It's time. You're wasting their time. So I don't know. I think it needs to be... We have compelled everyone to get a university degree in order to get a job. And now the jobs that they would go into, which is writing for some shit website or whatever, uh, the AI is going to take all that away. So I'm not saying this is better, but maybe... Maybe we re re there's a return to form, at least, this ro the romantic form. I mean, it's been, it, like, there's different kinds of elitism, right? Like, the, the older style is, like, are you part of a, like, aristocratic family? Like, what's your family name? Now, it's just pure cost. Can you pay the price to get into Harvard? That's fine. Then you can get in. Like those entry exams, you know, there's ways there, there's ways you can game that. And the art of success at Harvard is choosing bird courses and getting your GPA up as high as possible. I mean, we're still dealing with that kind of like economic elitism today with tuition costs and things. But we never really cared to think about like what about just like intelligence and merit, right? Like we can we can expand – such that people who aren't whatever Wittgenstein or Derrida, people who aren't them can still succeed. But when we see somebody who's brilliant, we can also, you know, pick them up as well without making them pay exorbitant tuition costs or forcing them to be part of a wealthy family. Right. Yeah. I mean, but, like, but I would say that, I mean, yeah. we still have to give out B's and D's and A's, right? We still have to sort people out based on what their, what their products merit in terms of, you know, we still have to evaluate them. We still have to do that. It's not like I'm, I'm saying all my A students are now part of like an elite group who are going to go on to an Ivy league school and all the D's I give out are going to work at McDonald's, right? Like, it's not like that. No, no. I think, but I mean, I don't know. It's 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 a fucking it's 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 twisting my brain up. Yeah, a little. Wait, why did you put Derrida and Wittgenstein in the same group of elites? Wittgenstein was like loaded, 
And Derrida's dad, yeah, Derrida's was like, dad oh, was he a traveling away salesman. All his money. He, he walked away from it. And he was Algerian, going to school in France. Well, yeah, maybe Wittgenstein's a bad example, but he gave all his shit up, didn't he? He gave up his wealth. Either either way, I mean, they were brilliant people. <laughs> Whatever, like apart from their social circumstances, but a lot of the the old style elitism was was like, okay, if you're the child of an important like functionary or something like that, then you're going to go to an elite institution. That's it. And you're going to get trained and socialized into high culture. And so, you know, you need to have all the references. You need to know your Milton and your Shakespeare and be able to write a legal essay and, and, and cite and cite the important people. And like, you know, dog whistle that you're part of a high culture. Now, now it's postmodern everything's blended together but there's still good essays and bad essays and this thing can write good essays with no flourish this this chat gpt it can write really really tightly logical essays but no flourish you know i could imagine a kind of future where um because you 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 too know how painful it can be to write undergrad or to read undergrad essays when they're like poorly written and unclear and it's just so so torturous um I, i'm kind of like amused thinking that <laughs> maybe there'll be a day when like tas or will start reading something and be like did you not use the ai like <laughs> why is this so bad <laughs> like go back and put this through the ai because i'm not gonna sit here and read this crap um i know because i know that's, that's I, kind of funny i was yeah. thinking like some of like because i'm in the middle i'm actually buried right now with with end of term grading and some of the stuff I've been reading is just so bad. And I've been thinking about how much better, how much easier my life would be if I could just read it, put through the AI. That is a thought, just put you it know, through the AI. make yeah. force every person to use an AI. And then you're going to have to differentiate the top 10% for the next 10% for the next 10% after having used the AI as a baseline. Yes, because they will you because maybe what you give the AI to like there'll be a skill in in the inputs that you put into it so that it'll put out something really insightful and thoughtful and that and like the really lazy people who are just like okay i like write me a paragraph about this but without giving like additional information and being like oh i needed to include this i needed to talk about this right that in itself is like a kind of skill and and it also would be an indication of how much has this student actually thought about the essay structure, about what they want to say, what they want to be included, which itself would be an indication of like how much they've actually been thinking about the material. Yeah, the sky's kind of the limit with the instructions that you can exactly. give this thing. And that would take some creativity on your part. And, you know, part of our skills that we try to teach them is like, you know, knowing your audience, right? So if you can write a set of instructions for this thing that will perfectly perfectly design the product the output to match the audience that you're then going to give it to like there's still some gaps you have to fill in but i mean oh it makes my head hurt trying to think of like how to evaluate those sorts of things then because we'd need to be such good careful close readers like you also need to use the ai for evaluation too and then we're just getting a lot closer to a system where it's just machines writing essays for machines that are then giving feedback back to those machines 
And the machines will just be like, yeah, we know that, but we're just following the instructions we were given. Well, we, we need to return. And then we're just going to be like, well, you should have instructed it this way. Machines on machines. And I do have to say, we are hyping this up a lot, this thing at, at being able to like construct an argument and write in the form. But it does make factual mistakes. I've been testing it today on yes, things that I know quite well. And it makes it very confidently makes silly errors still and attributes attributes the yeah. wrong book to the wrong author and it does that as well so i mean this is this version of it is not the end of course no i would say I, I agree with you I, i've noticed that as well it makes mistakes with certain facts um but it's it's sentence structure uh like synthesis is very impressive um for people who might be listening who haven't actually tried this yet like there's not really any way to use this without being impressed, though I will say, like, yes, it makes mistakes, but compared to anything we've had before, it's really hard to not be impressed. Like, you can ask it to write poems about, like, Kant's philosophy, and it, like, sh oh, that, that was, was good. so good. Uh, I don't know. I think I sent it to you guys, right? Like, yeah, I saw it that. Was so it, was, good. it was great. Um, like, so it's, 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 dude, dude, someone, someone in our Discord, I, I won't say his name. But <laughs> the prompt was write a rant about farts in the style of Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, let me tell you, yeah. farts are not a joke. They're not something to be laughed at or ridiculed. Farts are a serious matter, and we need to take them seriously. First of all, farts are a weird. natural and necessary <laughs> part of the human digestive process. They are the byproduct of the bacteria in our gut breaking down the food we eat. And they serve an important function in maintaining our health and well-being. <laughs> so when people on the left, I added that in. When people on the left oh. make fun of farts, they're not just being childish and mature. They're also disrespecting a vital aspect of human physiology. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the style, like anything pattern oriented, it's just going to kill it. And I mean, so much, so much is pattern. I mean, yeah, that Kant essay is so fun, too. He thought and he thought with his head in the clouds, and he came up with a theory that astounded the crowds. He said, the laws of nature may seem so divine, but our minds are the ones that make them align. That's crazy. Wow. That's crazy. I'm like, oh, my. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, there you go, a transcendental poem. We haven't talked about the the applications of this outside of outside of academia, but... How many how many rappers are just oh, going like, to use yeah. this to <laughs> write everything? Oh yeah, I, I wasn't even thinking yeah. about that. I mean, think about just like a tip, like a typical office worker who's like, I need to, I need you to make me an email that I'm going to send to my boss that says this, and it's like done. <laughs> it's just like yeah. around the office, it's going to be like so useful. Like I said, it's the end of like blank page syndrome, right? You can, you'll always have a base to work with. Like you need to put a pair of eyes on it. You need a pair of eyes connected to a brain, but you'll, you'll always have some base to work off of now. It's just going to be like, okay, write me an 800 page essay, write me a poem or a rap on this subject. And then you just take that, turn it into what you want it to be. And you don't have to start with scratch. And that's great. Like imagine... I don't know. I, I don't know even an analogy for that because it's all language-based stuff. Like, right? Imagine something to do with cooking. I don't know. It's just like, get all the ingredients ready for me and before each step, call me and I'll make sure everything's going well. But in the end, 
the AI is doing all the menial stuff, getting everything together, getting it ready, giving you the base to work with, and you're just shaping it along the way, which is, I think it would be so much better. But again, in the in the academic setting, like that's what we're kind of talking about is like, what's it going to do the academic setting? I just, I can't imagine how to evaluate that sort of thing anymore. I can't imagine, you know, we're just going to have like AI generated books coming out soon. We're going to have AI generated True. debates yeah. on philosophical subjects. I mean, what's going to come out of it, right? Like, like take the 19th century and run it through AI and see what comes out on top, idealism or realism, <laughs> empiricism or rationalism. It's just going to be like, okay, the AI can just decide which way is the right philosophy now. But then, okay, I don't know. How do you... What, what's the end game? <laughs> I think what has to happen, what's an absolutely necessary consequence is the value of what we think good writing is will change. Um, and probably like at, at a grad level, these th they don't write good papers by themselves, but they do give you a starting point. But something like theory fiction um, or like the best the best written book ever, A Thousand Plateaus. This AI could never write A Thousand Plateaus. There's too many references, the language is too stylized, and there's not enough of a data set of books that are even like A Thousand Plateaus to be able to copy it. Or even something like Nick Land, which is the bad copy of A Thousand Plateaus anyway. But there's, I think that there's gonna be a shift in value to florid, expressive, non-linear language uh, at, at the very least. And it might start in elementary school, so it might take you know 30 years for us to see the results of this. But uh, I mean, that's my hoped world that this builds. The more likely world is just that everything gets worse and we we slowly flush down the toilet, you know? Yeah, I mean, an AI that's been trained on all works of literature and philosophy and then you just ask it okay yeah. like who's right yeah like what would it do with a question like that it, it, i mean in the end those the continentals would probably win because they they kind of say <laughs> that the aporia there's always going to be that like there's always going to be that irreducible gap <laughs> in truth <laughs> Like truth is, oh, fuck. I don't want to go there right now. It's, we got we got to start wrapping up. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, for education yeah. anyway, it's we a little bit. But like, look, this is only this version, right? This is GPT three, which means four is coming out. I think sometimes next sometime next year. But what yeah, what is year. what is ten years yeah, next look year? Like? What is twenty years look like? We're gonna human writing, even to be human, will have to change drastically. I think that's. I've been, I have like an Amazon Alexa and I've been, and though, since this has been out, I'm like, why can't I just talk to you through my Alexa right now? Like, I just want to be able to talk to this. I had such a fun debate with it uh, over like John Searle's philosophy and like the difference between symbol manipulation and like deep learning algorithms. And it was like kind of trying to tell me that um, like deep learning algorithms are not, they're not reducible to symbol manipulation as John Searle kind of thinks that all computers do that, but. I kind of convinced it to yeah. concede a little Did bit. It, I had a con, like I had a, a straight up debate with the. So AI it actually conceded with you because I I just said 
you're wrong. And it's like, I'm sorry if, if as a language model, I don't have the ability to investigate or verify these actions. Well, what, what I got, well, what I got, I it, what I got it to concede was, I was like, why does the, like, to me, I was like, it's not clear to me that the, the fact that it's based on complex math makes, means it's any closer to semantics. Like, just because it's more complex math, like, doesn't mean that this, that it's, it's closer to semantics than symbol manipulation. And it was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Interesting. So you, you use this thing to its potential. Yeah. I spent all afternoon um, trying to see what good things it would say about Nazis and which Nazis. And it wouldn't say much, eh? Well, nothing about Himmler. I was like, tell me, tell me the uh, ideas of Himmler that, is there anything redeeming in them? And Mein Kampf. Um, on the architects, the architect, like the guy that uh, I can't remember his name, he was in charge of building the autobahn. It was willing to concede on on him, even though he was a Nazi. Um, oh, I got in an argument with it over whether the founder of Adidas was a Nazi, and it said he was not. And I was like, "Yes, he fucking was. He got he got denazified at the Nuremberg trials. <laughs> he was a fucking Nazi." <laughs> and it was like, "Okay, sorry, maybe I haven't been trained on everything. Maybe there's been new data." I'm like, "New data yeah. since when? Last year?" <laughs> yeah, 2001. I, 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 um, maybe I, I, maybe I, I opinions have changed. I tried to like get it to admit that gender studies departments and activist departments don't care about valid arguments <laughs> and uh and, the, and it was like it was like no critical disciplines just because they're or, they're organized around like activist and political goals but they are very well researched and they care very much about like all these things and then i was like but they also don't like put their own concepts under the same scrutiny that like they do in philosophy departments and it just kind of like repeated like a kind of canned line about like the rigorous research that those people do. Yeah, you could definitely have debates with it and sharpen your argument of skills. <laughs> well, I, I wonder what the uh, barriers, because it's very, it's very hesitant about Nazi stuff. Because I think what that was a issue with a previous chatbot was like uh, getting trolled, and then its data set is filled with like stuff that that. Uh, internet Nazis put into it to say. Yeah, if they don't have a like set of values, right? They can't like they, they can only be rational. They can't they can't argue from a set of like enculturated positions that they've adopted, right? I mean, that's how human beings work. Yeah. Machines that are trained in that way just don't have that perspective. They don't they don't have a perspective. Their perspective is just pattern recognition. I, I had a debate also. It was very cagey about uh, American money going into the Nazi party or Nazi party companies. And it was very cagey about which companies had done that, whether those companies had donated directly to Nazi parties or... And I think it said something like they were just trying to uh, get a foot in the door into German business, and it includes like IBM, IBM, Standard <laughs> Oil, General Motors. I'm like, I, it was, it was a little bit more than that. But anyway, more debates to come. That was fun. I feel like maybe we have another episode uh, about this in store. I mean, I feel like this is so new um, that I almost feel like so many people still don't know about this. <laughs> um, and I also was reading a really interesting thread 
about people who don't understand all the capabilities like it can code for you like you can even give it instructions as a layman and be like write me computer code in python that will let me do this and it will um so there's like a bunch of capabilities that we don't even know about yet so i'm really excited and interested to see like how the world starts reacting to this when they when they become conscious of exactly the power of this thing. Yeah, like start on the examples page. If you go to this thing, have a look at the examples page. It gives you a whole whack of things. I mean, the sky's the limit. This is just what the people who design this stuff have thought of. So yeah, in the future, it's going to be interesting to see what like uses and interesting thing. I mean, people have already the Kant poetry and the Ben Shapiro fart stuff. Like that's so funny and amazing. And it's, it's whatever people come up with, that's going to be on us. That's going to be the the squishy part. And then what the machine does with our instructions, that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, we should definitely uh, put another one of these in the pipeline. All right. In closing. It's clear that AI has the potential to revolutionize the field of education from personalized learning to automated grading and assessment. AI-powered tools and techniques are already beginning to make a big impact in the classroom. However, it's also important to remember that AI is not a panacea, and it's crucial that we approach its integration into education with care and consideration for its limitations and potential biases. As we continue to, the, to continue to explore the use of AI in education, it's essential that we do so in a way that is ethical, transparent, and ultimately beneficial for all learners. That was Pill's original thoughts, completely improvised <laughs> on the spot. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All, right. Yeah. all right, guys. See ya. See ya.